Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 15 through 22, called, Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Now, when we're studying theology, it's always good if a pastor can give us a human example. Amen? Because we hear stuff about justification and sanctification and promises and covenants, and and we're like, okay, how does this work in everyday life? Well, in everyday life, in human relationships and you know documents and contracts, we we realize there's real estate contracts, there's uh, you know, different things that we sign, documents. You, you buy a house and you sign about 2,000 pieces of paper. How many of you, by the time you get to the 17th one, you don't even know where you're signing anymore? It's like, just get this over with! Oh, there, here's another stack that you have to sign, right? You buy a car. By the time you've negotiated a car, you usually want to kill somebody and break a couple of commandments anyway, <laughs> right? And then you sign all these documents, But some believe that this language is that of a last will and testament. And it may well be. And in a last will and testament, you would put down, I I bequeath this to this person, I want to leave this to this person. And once that's been ratified and you could say notarized, then no one can come along later if you decided to leave certain things to certain individuals and change your wishes They can't add to it or modify it. Now, you could do it before you die, but nobody else can come along and break that legal contract. They can't come in and change what your desire was to give away. This is the same thing when it comes to the gospel. From the lesser to the greater, if human beings can have covenants or contracts that are unbreakable, how much more God And the word here for uh, a covenant is a general term for a binding agreement. If something gets drawn up, last will and testament, etc., no one's going to come in and mess with it. And here's the application. And this is kind of the overall theme of Galatians. Don't you come in, says Paul, to the false teachers and tell people in the Galatian church that they're not saved by grace after they received the Holy Spirit, they got the down payment of the pledge of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to come in there and tell them, oh, you're not really saved. you got to do now do this, this, and this, and this. Do you see what you're doing? You're messing with a contract that God instituted. And you can't do that. In fact, in chapter 1, Paul says if you do that, God's going to put you under the curse. Don't mess with the gospel. And that is obviously a sobering idea, but it is true. Now, it's, it relates because some were saying, yeah, but there's the law. There's the 613 commandments and subcommandments. We can't just set that aside. We can't just say we don't have to worry about that anymore. So what role does that have? Look at verse 16. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham. You can write down again in your margin, Genesis 12 and 15. And to his seed, 
He does not say, and to seeds. Now, the word seed can be taken as a plural, right? If you say, I'm going to plant seed, you don't necessarily mean one seed. So the word could be a singular or a plural. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is going to explain to us that the idea of the seed, way back in Genesis, which kind of marries together with the idea of offspring, that is children or descendants, was actually pointing to one seed, and the grammar does allow for that. He does not say to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ. The covenant with Abraham was characterized by promises signifying what God would bring to pass. And when God made the covenant to Abraham, the animal pieces were cut. Abraham was asleep and God passed through the animal parts. It was an unconditional covenant based upon God's faithfulness alone. Abraham believed in the Lord and that belief was what? Credited to him as righteousness. That's the covenant that came at the beginning of the Jewish nation. And the law came 430 years later. Now, people have done all these calculations. 430 years from what point? Some say from the last time God re-articulated the covenant. Because he spoke it to Abraham, he spoke it to Isaac, and he spoke it to Jacob. You could say the patriarchs of the nation. So many scholars say you can calculate the 430 from the last spoken promise of God because he had to reiterate the promise on multiple occasions just like we have to reiterate promises on multiple occasions. Amen? Because sometimes we wonder. And those who were following God still wondered, Lord, are you going to still do this? Are you going to do that? Remember when Jacob's between the rock and the hard place and brother Esau's got troops and Jacob's like, Lord, are you going to come through? What's going to happen? And he wrestled with some strange visitor all night and he wouldn't let go. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And the visitor finally grabbed him by the thigh. (laughs) Yeah! And Jacob never walked the same again, but his name was renamed Israel. And Israel probably is best defined as governed by God or God prevails. And here's the idea. God's promises will prevail. But Esau's coming! What's going to happen now? And we all have our moments, right? But this is happening, Lord. This is happening. Now what? I'm between a rock and a hard place. And God often says, good. Because now you got to trust me. And sometimes we wrestle. Right? Sometimes all night long. And God said, you want to know that if I'm true to my promises? Remember in the ancient world, one of the things that they would do is they would grab the thigh as a way to confirm a promise on future generations. (laughs) And it was God's way of saying, I'm going to be good to my promises. Your seed will be realized, which will ultimately lead to Christ, who comes through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, etc. Would you turn to Genesis 22? First book of your Bible, Genesis 22. So, Abraham got the promises in Genesis 15. 
He didn't have any kids back then. And then the son of promise comes. His name is Isaac. You want Genesis 22. His name means laughter. And he's arrived, and he's probably a late teenager. And Abraham is told to go and offer him as a burnt offering to the Lord. And all God's people said, you got to be kidding. (laughs) You mean I waited this long? We waited this long, and now you want me to do what? But the Bible doesn't record any of that. The Bible just says Abraham was obedient. He goes up with Isaac, the son of promise. There's the wood and the fire and the knife. Where's, Where's the lamb? And the gospel's on display. Check this out. Abraham called after God stopped him. Abraham called the name 2214 of Genesis. Of that place, the Lord will provide. That's relevant to the gospel. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Genesis 22, look at verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply, here's that word, your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is in the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, 18, what's going to happen? All the nations, a reiteration of Genesis 12:3. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The gospel in Genesis 22 is on display. Abraham goes up to Mount Moriah. By the way, Mount Moriah is the place that 2,000 years later, Jesus would die on the cross as God's one and only son. Abraham was acting out the gospel. And the mention of this seed is extremely relevant to this section. Because the seed, the ultimate expression of the seed, is Christ. All throughout the Bible, Bible students, we have this idea of the singular seed. This is one I think of. It's, I will put enmity, Genesis 3.15, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It says, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. The pre-evangel, all the way back in the fall chapter of Genesis 3.15, promises this seed. And throughout history, the enemies tried to destroy the seed. You can think of all these moments in Israel's history with all these nations going after Israel to destroy the Jewish nation. You can think of Haman and you can think of Herod and you can think of Hitler and you have to ask questions like why have the Jewish people been treated this way? Because the seed, the Savior, was coming through the nation. And the enemy started his uh, target sites way back in the beginning to try to destroy this seed. One writer says, if you go back to Galatians 3, the one and only heir of every promise of God is Christ. Every promise given in the covenant with Abraham was fulfilled in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the only way a person can participate in the promised blessings to Abraham is to be a fellow heir with Christ through faith in him. 
faith links us to the seed. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. The promised blessings to Abraham is to be a fellow heir with Christ through faith in him. Faith links us to the seed. It links us to Christ and to the promises. In Christ, says one writer, the people of God are summed up. So the offspring here refers to Christ representatively or corporately. He's the head. So that this reference is also to the family of God in Christ. This is the 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22. For as many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes. Wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Once you are linked to Christ, you are linked to the promises. Amen? Once you believe in Christ, you have the righteousness of Christ. Once you are in him, you are in the promise, and the Holy Spirit pledges or seals that promise unto the day of redemption. Amen. You are secure. God will be true to the promises that he's made to you and to me. Praise God. I don't have to be on a roller coaster. I don't have to wonder one day if God loves me and the next if he doesn't. I don't have to wonder, if I, am I really going to make it to heaven? Am I really going to be there on that day? No. It's based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't look anywhere else for that blessing because you won't find it anywhere else. And certainly don't look uh, to your performance. <laughs> You'll be a discouraged person. What I'm saying is this, Galatians 3.17, the law which came 430 years later, Galatians 3.17, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. The law came 400 plus years later, and even though the law was given and the people of Israel, how did they do with the law? When Moses is getting the Ten Commandments, they're passing around the golden calf. Hello? It didn't start off well, and it didn't go well from there. Amen? 
How many times did the people of Israel get in trouble with idolatry? To the degree that finally the northern kingdom gets taken by Assyria and the southern kingdom goes into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Why? Because of idolatry. Laws can be good. And we usually institute laws because people present problems. Amen? <laughs> we have laws in our land. It says on the freeway you can only go 65 miles per hour. That? <laughs> I know some of you are questioning that. That is called the speed limit. <laughs> no, that's where most of you begin. Right? And I said you, because I always keep, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have you ever noticed Somebody always wants to keep the speed limit when you're late. Anybody else out there? Right? And then when you're trying to slow down and do things the right way, somebody else who goes to this church is on your back, flashing their brights at you. What are you doing? <laughs> Lawbreakers. Oh, we have a lot of laws in the U.S. on the books. But do you know right now, with, if you took parolees and people in prison, we have 7 million people in prison or connected some way to being under that, uh, those penalties. Why? Because we don't keep the law. Now, the law is good, and the law can keep some things from going haywire, and so we know we need laws, but laws are limited because laws can't change your heart. Amen? Laws can, can quell some wrongdoing. The threat of an officer pulling you over or jail time or even worse can quell some of it. But laws can't change our behavior from the inside. They can't transform us. We need something else to happen. And the law came later. And... It, I just put this in my notes. Imagine for a moment if your salvation depended on human obedience. Just imagine that. You'll make it if you keep the Ten Commandments and everything the Ten Commandments means. How many of us are in deep trouble? See, we're not going to make it. John Bunyan said, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. For better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. Amen? See, once the living Lord is living inside of me, He's doing the changing. And now I deeply desire His law in my inward man. See, I want to please Him. I want to honor Him because He's given me new desires and new passions. If the inheritance 18 is based on law, it's no longer based on a promise. You could just write down it's either one or the other. But God has granted, this is the idea of to give graciously. It's the root idea of the word grace. God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. When Abraham first believed the Lord in Genesis 15, no performance, it was wholly on God alone. If the promise is not fully dependent upon God, then it's not a promise to which one can be assured. And that's why so many people lack assurance of salvation. 
How many of you remember the little navigator's books back in the day? And there was a little train diagram. And, and it basically said this. If you're a new believer, you have to base your faith upon fact. Fact needs to drive the train, not feelings. Because if your feelings drive the train, the, your feelings have to be the caboose. If your feelings drive the train, you're never going to have assurance of salvation because you're always going to think that your salvation depends on your performance. And when you have a good day, you'll think, I'm good with God. And you have a bad day, then you'll think, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm saved, I'm not saved. Saved. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. But that's not God. You've been listening to Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Part 2 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 15 through 22. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program or part one, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about our program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. Our mission is to equip you and new listeners with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. Look, we know times are tough and a little crazy right now, and that's why we're only asking for a small donation. So if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help keep this ministry thriving. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. One of the greatest things that drives us as people is not law, but love. And of course, as we're training children or we're discipling people or you know, maybe you're coaching a team or something like that. You want people to keep the rules. You certainly want them to, you know, stay within the bounds. And so if we're not under the law anymore, well, what do you do to correct? Well, remember, the law is a certain component, which has been fulfilled in Jesus, but it hasn't gone away. God still says, don't murder, don't hate your brother, don't commit adultery. These things still apply. Now, not doing them doesn't save you. But after becoming a Christian, what should drive you is love. See, we love because he first loved loved us. Love is the greatest motivator. Law can motivate you to a certain extent, but love is the greatest motivator. And I would just say, if you're raising a child right now, you're trying to impress upon them honor and moral beauty and dignity and uh, chivalry, Those are all great things, and what should drive them is our love for God and love for others. And so you don't need law to accomplish that. Law can be a good thing, but it only, remember, it only goes so far. And one of the greatest things that we can do as parents, grandparents, spiritual leaders, is be examples. You know, if you open the car door for your wife, your son will pick that up. If you model what you want to see in them, they will pick it up. And uh, that's one of the greatest things to do. And when you and when they fall, and they will, teach them about grace. Teach them about God's goodness and, and remind them, hey, this is why we do the right thing for God's honor. Because he so loved us, because he's worthy of our best. 
Hey, if you're a ministry leader, speaking of our best, my heart is certainly with you. Uh, If you're a pastor who's listening right now, a ministry leader, children's ministry, maybe you're a youth leader, a worship leader, uh, you know, maybe you're in an ushering ministry or parking ministry or food ministry, whatever it may be. Uh, I just want to tell you, my brother, my sister, hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep that hope uh, fixed on him. Let that hope be the anchor of your souls because God is good. And even though the storm is brewing, and I know it's tough for the church right now, and I know that you are navigating similar issues to our leadership team, hey, stand strong and uh, do what the Lord has called you to do. Don't worry about the fear of man. Don't let the fear of man drive you. Let the fear of God be the beginning of wisdom for all you do. Hey, if we can pray for you, if you're a church leader and you need some prayer right now, would you reach out to us at contact at walkintruth.com? contact at walkintruth.com. You can submit a prayer request over our website, or you can always call 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, Tuesday through Friday, normal business hours, and there'll be a pastor who would love to minister to you. God bless you. We're so grateful that you're listening. Pray for us. Support us if you can. You can find out all the info at walkintruth.com. Catch you tomorrow. God bless. And one more thing. Please follow the Walk in Truth show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, because we'd love to connect with you. And join us for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 15 through 22, called, Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.